Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Pat Williams as always. And we're pleased to be joined right off the hop here by Hershey Bears head coach Todd Nelson. And I should say 2023 Calder Cup champion coach Todd Nelson joining us from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, well, we got to ask first. I know that I'm sure you get asked a lot about last year. We want to keep it in the present. We will. But tell us about your day with the Calder Cup. What did you do with it? Uh, my day with the Calder Cup, I was trying to locate it. I didn't get it. Um, Come on. I'm being serious. It was coming in from Portland, Oregon. And uh, it was shipped out on Friday morning. I was supposed to get it Saturday by about noon. And uh, it, things got fouled up. And I didn't receive it till Wednesday. Uh, so I spent maybe three or four hours with it. I had my wife take it to... Um, her work for her, her co-workers and stuff and took a couple of pictures with uh, with her, my neighbor and uh, my dog by the pool. That was pretty much it. But we still had a party on Saturday. A bunch of people came in from Florida, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we still had a good time on Saturday. Awesome. Wow. OK, well, do you want to blame the airline here while you have a chance or you want to pass on that? Uh, it was the shipping company. OK, but, perfect. Uh, yeah. So one day, like on Wednesday morning, I walked by my front door and I saw something that was a dark, a dark figure through my glass window that was kind of frosted. And, uh, there it was sitting on my, my front porch, just uh case and all. So somebody could have walked by and stole it. So that would, now that would have been a good story. I will say. Yeah, it would have been. So, you know, coming over from the Calder cup hangover per se, you know, starting this year, obviously winning a championship in the AHL is different. There's more turnover the roster, but, I was listening to, I think it was the Vegas Golden Knights. It was John of the Mark show saying how there's sometimes, you know, you have to really check yourself early on and making sure you're engaged in the games early on. What's that process been like for you as a coach, kind of getting this group to obviously, you know, celebrate when it was nice, but now turning the page onto this season and moving forward? Well, from the first day of training camp, we talked about it. It's time to uh, turn the page and move forward. Obviously, um, there's a lot of things we still have to do here. Um, we made an appearance, you know, at Parliament in Harrisburg, we want, they wanted to recognize us, which is really cool. Um, the Cup's been traveling around Hershey, going to different hospitals and schools and stuff like that. So it's still around, but um, that's the biggest challenge um, is, you know, that like we were just talking about it. After you go into a long playoff run and have success and play a seven-game series against Coachella and go into game seven in overtime and win it in overtime, um, it's a lot different atmosphere than maybe going to Lehigh Valley on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Like, this early in the season so my biggest challenge is trying to motivate the guys from last year um you know these games are important obviously we want to get as many points as we can get in playoffs and hopefully get a buy in but uh, that's the biggest challenge you just got to motivate the players from last year uh the new guys coming in um you know they have something i wouldn't say something to prove but they want to be part of a special situation here and uh, that's what we're striving for this year you know when you 
you look at prospect management, and I think of Ethan Frank. Um, great rookie season last year, kind of had all the accolades. Everything's going great, and then the playoffs hit. And it was kind of that uh, that proverbial getting, getting him over the hump. Um, you had to healthy scratch him a couple of times. H- how do you, as a coach, you know, through all the years, manage young players who are going through something like that for the first time and get them over that hump and get them to a better place? Well, you know what? In the case of Ethan, um, you know, he scored 30 goals for us during the regular season. And, um, you know, it was a great year. Like, he won the fastest skater at the All-Star game, was an All-Star. And uh, we got into playoffs. He had some good chances early on against Charlotte, and he, and he couldn't find the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And with goal scorers, when that happens, especially with Frankie, he lost his confidence. Yeah. And then from there, it was like he was stuck in quicksand, and the harder he worked, he just kept on spiraling down. So, um, you know, like when we healthy scratched him, it wasn't so much, you know, punishing him. It was more or less trying to get a reset on him. Yeah. And um, he didn't score until game three against Coachella. Mm-hmm. It was a big goal for, for a lot of reasons for him, but also with our hockey team, we never scored a goal in the first two games against him. Yeah. So, you know, so once that goal happened, then all of a sudden the next night, again, he scores and he's off to the races and then you start playing his game. But uh, how I handled it is just, you know, just trying to be supportive. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a tough situation. Every player has their ups and downs. And uh, when you're a goal scorer, uh, it really does weigh in your mind because you're you're thinking I got to provide offense for this team. Um, he probably felt like he was letting the team down, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know it's a pretty delicate situation, you know, because <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is just being supportive of him and just telling him, hey, we got your back. Um, be ready to go and call upon, and uh, that's what he did. Just to follow up on that, you know, doubt is a you know is a natural thing for anybody uh, to wrestle with and. You know, whether it's a player or collectively as a team. And then you mentioned games one and two, you go into Coachella and it doesn't go your way at all. Um, and you come back and you're facing almost a must win in game three. How do you as a coach set the tone to push that doubt out of your team's mind? Or do you try to confront it and hit it uh, straight on and deal with it that way? Well, you know, we talked about it. Uh, before game three, getting prepared for him, not scoring a goal in the series yet. And we only scored one goal in the last game against Rochester. We beat him one nothing. So we're we're struggling. And, uh, you know, we talked we talked with our goalie coaches because Joey DeCord was playing so well, um, but he played a very aggressive style. So we had to um, maybe change my philosophy a bit because I'm a shot volume coach. I like to put a lot of shots on that. And my theory is, is that put the puck on net sometimes uh, get a couple of fluky goals here and there but with Joey that, that, that wasn't going to happen because he was aggressive and he he was going to make the save because he played so far out and so we had a um, we had to be more selective with their shots and we had to try to find uh, backdoor plays which is difficult to do if you're playing against a team that's playing good team defense and uh, they had a good defensive core there and what made him really dangerous is that um, you know, defensively they're playing well, but plus they had so many weapons that could score goals. But we had to change our philosophy, and it was something fresh for a hockey team uh, coming from me. Uh, and you know, kudos to the you know our goalie coach, Yuha Letela, and you know also Scotty Murray up in Washington because we had to find a way to get to him. And I think he's he was only beat maybe on in the whole series maybe two or three shots clean. Everything was a rebound or something backdoor or a scramble in front. So. Um, 
you know, we just once again just changed our mindset. And I think with the freshness of it, the guys took it to heart and it paid off for us. You know, last year, one of the big stories too was Connor McMichael. I remember talking to you in Toronto, uh, it was in April, and you were saying how at that point, you know, he's playing the best two and a half months of hockey you had seen from him. And if you really look at it, this 2023 calendar year has been amazing for him. He had the playoff experience. He had, you know, the end of the regular season where he was doing well. Now he's an NHL regular. How big is that for your program? It's just an example of kind of putting the work in, hunkering down, getting in the trenches and developing your game, even when nobody's looking and really buying in. Well, you know what? That's our philosophy as an organization is we want to create a winning environment for our players, but also we have to develop these these, these uh, players. So you know, I, I saw tremendous steps Mikey took last year over the course of the season and, and the playoffs, and then it followed up with the training camp. He had a really good training camp, and he deserve, deserves the right to be there. Another player that falls in that category is uh, Lapierre. Mm-hmm. You know, he came into camp, had a tremendous camp, looked like – I think once you once you go through what we did in the playoffs and you end up winning, it gives players confidence going into training camp next season. Even though they only had maybe two and a half two and a half months to train because we went so late, mm-hmm. um, but I saw it. In, like all of our players, Riley Sutter, like the young guys, um, they really elevated their game, and it translated into a good training camp for a lot of players. And you know, Lap here, I'm happy you, you touched on him. If you look at his playoff series last year from the outsiders. Some people might say, oh, six points in 20 games, whatever. But for anyone that watched the game, Lapierre was extremely engaged and was really kind of answering the bell in that playoff style of hockey. With him in particular, like what was the biggest progression you saw from him in his first pro season? Well, he got off to a really good start and he was in a conversation of going to the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And then he tapered off and then he hit a wall in February. He just yeah. hit a wall and... Um, I talked to management. I said, I think maybe Lappy has to watch a game from up top. And um, so we sat him the first game. We had two games sit in Charlotte. And so we healthy scratched him that game. And I said, hey, look, just go up there, watch the game. This is a reset button for you, and we'll get you back in. Well, he ended up sitting out two games in a row. And he said to me, you know, like later on in the season, even the playoffs, he goes, Nelly, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, just to get reset. Because from there, he elevated his play. But, you know, any young player, doesn't matter junior or college, even though junior plays a pretty um, busy schedule, they always seem to hit that wall in February. Um, college players especially because, you know, they basically play just in the weekends in college, right? And uh, the schedule the way it is, they always seem to hit a wall. So sometimes, you know, like when a guy goes up and watches the game from a fan's perspective and sees, sees how the play develops, um, it certainly helps him out. And also – with Lappy, we had to get his practice habits uh, better. You know, like we we're doing a drill that Washington did, and so we asked for video. Actually, got to credit Nick Bootlin for this. He called up and got some video of, of a drill that Washington does in practice. We do this same drill down here, and we compared guys like Alex, Alex Ovechkin, um, Tom Wilson, when they did a rep, and then we showed uh, Lappy his rep, and he was going maybe half speed, three-quarter speed, not digging in. And when he saw it, he goes, man, he goes, am I ever embarrassed? And like he was a very honest player, but his development, like he he went every day after practice, and he wanted video from Nick Nick Bootland. So they sat together, and they went over video, all the shifts and what you can do better. Great job here. Here's where we have to grow. And so he took it upon himself, to be quite honest. Like like we we talked to him about practice habits and how to, you know, win puck battles and, and play at an edge. But uh, 
but he took it upon himself to better himself by by watching video with the coaches. You know, one guy this year, Ivan uh, Mershonchenko. Oh gosh, I butchered that. We tried this before, Todd. I, I we'll just I, we'll just say Miro. The first Miro, first, yeah, uh, 2020 first round pick. You know, to start his pro career, we talked about this before we went on air. Obviously, the language barrier is one thing with him. But in terms of amalgamation, like, this guy seems like a scoring chance generation machine. Like, what's going to – this guy – like that's usually a big hump for guys, right? Being able to get into the tighter areas and slot. But he seems to be completely well accustomed to that. Yeah, he's not afraid to take the puck to the net. Like, if he has a step on a guy on a rush, he'll take it hard to the net. Um, he digs deep in the corners. He already got in his first pro fight. Um, so, like, he's – He's not afraid. He's not afraid to play play the game the North American North American style, um, you know. But just like any young player, like he's only nineteen years old. Like there's definitely something there. Like he has a skill set that's that's really good. He can skate. He can skate pretty fast, and, and he has a great shot. And so um, we just got to work on the details of the game with him. Um, you know, there's a language barrier, so systematically we have to take our time and and make sure he understands. And so. Uh, Bogdan Trinia falls in the same category. So the thing is, is that I see him growing as a player, uh, you know, it, but we'll have to see how he manages the rest of the year. Like I said, sometimes these guys fall off a bit around February or after Christmas, um, but we'll have to wait and see. As a coach, in your experience, you, you've had good teams. When does it become clear that this is a team that can be more than a very good team? This could be a championship team. And then to that point, how do you get that team over the hump, right? Because we've seen so many teams that are on paper, they look great, and then they fizzle in the playoffs. Well, it's it's a it's something that develops over the course of the season. You know, um, I mentioned before another article is arts and science, right? The science is the systematic work. The arts is how, as a coaching staff, how do we get these guys to bond together, uh, play hard for each other? Um, you know, basically trying to create a family atmosphere. You know, I. I have a gathering at the start of the year all the time. It's a uh, pig roast just to get families together and have some fun and get to know each other away from the rink. Uh, also, it's a chance for the players to see the human side of the coaching staff, you know, away from the rink. And, um, you know, so I think it's really beneficial, but it starts there. And then it's everyday interaction with your players. And, and uh, just, uh, you know, I'm starting to see it now. Like, like we're probably, like, we're more explosive on paper than we were last year. And, um you know, we still have Shep and Nat and, um, you know, Stevenson. But uh, our defense, of course, very similar. But I think we have more firepower. But we have to get to a point where our team was last year where we were so close, nothing was going to break us because we faced a lot of adversity in the playoffs. And uh, I invite adversity early in the season so you can get over it. And we just faced a bit of it. We went into uh, Wilkes-Barre and we lost the game with 0.5 seconds left yeah. and really – it shouldn't have been that close. Like I thought Wilkes outplayed us. And when I got the numbers back um, from the analytics, I wasn't too happy. You know, when I see puck battles won by Wilkes, they won 64% of the puck battles. And that's inexcusable. I think that's just hard work. So we had to have a a bit of a firm talk with them when they saw a side of Todd Nelson that they don't nor normally see. But I think it sunk in and it helped out. But you, you invite those times – over the course of the season, because I think it brings you closer together and the guys understand what it takes to win. Yeah, you know, another guy I want to ask you about was Pierre Dubay. Uh, kind of looks like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but has the potential to be the next kind of great undrafted gem finding. Like he had a great season 
you know, beneath the surface uh, last year with Laval has carried that into this year. What have you seen from him so far? Well, he's got a really good skill set. He likes to shoot the puck. He has a good shot. Um, you know, he has good speed. Like I said, I think like we, we do have more firepower. Last year we had to win games two to one. Now we can, we still want to win games, those tight games. So it, it conditions ourselves for the playoffs, but um you know, like he's a player that's just like every other young player. He has to learn the details of the game. He has to learn how, how, how hard you have to compete to have success. And uh, like you know, when you get to the, you know, playoffs, you know, you got to outcompete your your competitor. That's what it comes down to is compete. You know, like as coaches, we'll handle um, the system work and we'll make you know different adjustments as we go along when we play different teams and. But, like, you know, we want to make sure the players understand that it doesn't matter how skilled you are as a, a player or a team, you got to make sure you put the work boots on. And uh, that was the message before our last game, and the guys the guys took it. And, um, you know, we got a 3-1 win. Um, we played played Bridgeport. That's a hardworking team. And we knew, how to, we knew that we had to match their work ethic. You know, I look at a player like Vince Iorio. You know, comes in as a young defenseman. That can be – this is a rough league – for young defensemen sometimes to come in and find their footing and to see where he was at the start of last season to where, where he was at the end of, of last season. How does going through that experience and winning, how does that change a prospect to where he is today? Well, it's funny that you mentioned it because like we saw his progression last year and then you know, he came into training camp and he was really confident and stuff, but the, I think he was, like, he was just ill. He, he was ill for about maybe, two or three games. And I think that came at a good time because he was struggling. And what he was trying to do, he was trying too hard. He was trying to make the Washington Capitals every shift out there and trying to do too much. And it ended up biting him. And the position of defense, as you guys know, it's a position where, you know, if you're having a tough night and you even push harder, sometimes it's like quicksand. It's like putting gasoline on a fire. And he has to recognize that moving forward in his career if, if it's not his night just keep things simple and just you know try to keep the puck out of your net but you know he was being very active very busy um you know running out of position a bit just trying to do a bit too much and uh, the last couple of games he came back and played two solid games for us so uh sometimes like i said before sometimes it's good to get, get away from the ring for a bit and and push that reset button you know Talking to coaches who have coached in the NHL, like you have the AHL, you know, whether it be junior or whatever, they often say that the AHL is the toughest league to coach because uh, you're kind of right in the middle of everything. You have your top prospects, you have your, your vets who may have been kicked around by the business a little bit. You know, they come in with a little bit of chip on their shoulder. Then you have the guys who are just trying to hang on. How do you, as a coach, try to bring all those different competing uh, experiences, the different uh, walks of life, uh, you know? for you know the hockey world how do you bring that together create a team out of all those different perspectives well i think the biggest thing is for me to earn their trust mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if you're a 19 year old or 35 year old they have to be able to trust the, the coaching staff and it starts with me and uh how do i earn their trust you know i get to know them on a personal level like we have a coaching staff like on practice days, we're not stuck in our office, just on our computer trying to design practice. You know, like we'll get practice done. And then also we'll go out in the locker room and have conversations with the guys. Like, where'd you go for dinner last night? Is your family coming in? Um, is your girlfriend flying, flying in? So they, they, they see the human side and that's how you, you know, through those conversations, develop trust and respect. And it's a two way street. And, um, 
that's been always been my style. Uh, it's served me well, and it does. Like I said, it doesn't matter if it's a veteran guy or or a guy gets sent down being disgruntled. You know, we we had uh, Abe Kubel sent down to us. Uh, he came down with a great attitude, uh, but I had a conversation with him, and my first question was, "How are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And um, he says, "I'm fine." Obviously disappointed, but I said, "Well, it's, it's I said it's my job to." get you playing really good hockey and get you back up there. So I said, I'll do whatever it takes to help you out. And I think if you, if you give yourself to the player players in the team, it really does, you know, be in that uh, trust and respect uh, situation where they can come to me. Um, I have an open door policy. If something's bothering them, they can come in and we can sit down and talk about it. And I tell them, if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, you can talk to one of the assistants, you know, because uh, if the player's not playing well, the first thing I want to know is how their life is going away, going on away from the rink. A guy could, even his girlfriend could break up. Who knows? Maybe they lost a grandparent. Um, so you got to find out the personal side to see what makes them tick, and then then from there you can fix the problem and help them out. I just I remember a coach telling me one time, you know, the players stay the same age no matter what year it is. You know, they're all twenty year olds, twenty one year olds. But as a coach, you keep getting older. How do you, as a coach? bridge that generation gap, that age gap, and, and stay tight with your players and be able to relate to them kind of, uh, you know, as they change and, you know, as life changes around them. Well, I think you have to stay current, you know, mm-hmm. with what, what makes the makes the players tick. Like, I'm not telling you that I go to their, their house and play PlayStation. I, I don't do that. Yeah, do you listen to hip-hop? Like, do you, do you try to stay hip and cool? I'm forced to listen to it, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times my office door is shut, you know, for our game days. But you know what? That's that's their room. Like they're free to play any kind of music they want. And the thing is, is that I think it's to stay current and once again having those conversations. And I tell them, I said, I treat you guys like like you're my own, like my son and my daughter. Who like that's the way I treat you. And uh, you know, so you know, like it's uh, <clears throat> I love the players. I just really do. You know what? And I'll do whatever it takes to help them out. And. Uh, if they're hurting from something, it hurts me as, as well. You know, like we have, we have hockey fight cancer night coming up on Sunday and it's going to hit home to some of our players um, because they lost loved ones. So you got to be sensitive towards that and she'll let you care. And, and, and just being honest, you know, like uh, try not, try not to be someone that you're not, like, you're like, like just be yourself. And uh, I think that carries a lot of weight with the players. Absolutely. Good stuff. Thank you, Todd, for joining us. We really appreciate it, and best of luck the rest of the way this season. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Take care. You bet. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks again to Todd for joining us. That was really awesome. I love, I love hearing kind of the inside of a coach's mind because everyone's different. Like we get a lot of the kind of cliches and whatnot obviously can make you think that things are the same, but you know, you can really tell with Nelson, his approach and trying to get to know the players it really comes from a place of, of genuine interest, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to get to know them, what ticks. And that's hard. That's hard in the HL, the roster changing. And it's definitely a big part of his his everyday agenda, I would think. 
Yeah, I think I think today, you know, we we still have this mentality of coaching as you know the X's and O's and systems and all that, and that, yeah, that's part of it. And but I've noticed just in my time how much more of the job centers around personality management and, and communication, and yeah, communication psychology. You know, it's a cliche, but you know, like it wasn't that long ago where it was just coach gave an order players expected to, to execute the order. And, and that was that. And there wasn't a whole, there wasn't a whole lot of give and take or a whole lot of uh, back and forth. It was just uh, kind of a very one way street. Now that's a lot more of a collaborative effort and a coach like him, right? Like he, he started in this business more than 20 years ago. He's had to shift, uh, evolve uh, and uh, adjust to the, to the changing atmosphere around him. So I think, uh, you know, that's, that's why he's got a pile of uh, championships on his resume. And, um, you know, the, the job he did with Hershey last year, I think, you know, that was a good, that was one of the questions I asked him was, uh, that was a very good team on paper. He took that team, made a championship team. And, and that's yeah. the difference with him. Absolutely. So let's get to an interesting topic here. There's three first round picks, recent first round picks that have been sent down to the AHL. All three of the situations are completely different. So Philip Roberg, Edmonton re-signed to Bakersfield. Matt Coronado was reassigned to the Wranglers by Calgary. And then Kent Johnson went from Columbus to Cleveland. I want to start with Philip Broberg. Seems like with each passing week even, you know, you look at progressions of players, right? And you can see like a positive compound, right? Like Quinton Byfield, I find over the last little bit, has been slowly but surely treading in the right direction. With Broberg, it just seems like with each passing week, it seems less likely he'll be part of this Oilers team. And I don't even mean it so much as a slight against him. We talk about mm-hmm. fit all the time. It just seems like it, it's not going to make sense for him to, to fit in there with where they're at, what they need, and, and how he has progressed too. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's funny. You know, sometimes we, we, you're right. We think of players as, uh, you know, if they're not making it, uh, something that they've done wrong, but maybe – Maybe the thing is they were just were selected by the team that's the right fit for them, and um, you know I think that could be the case for him. I think especially right now, the young prospect. I, I want my young prospects honestly as far away from Edmonton as possible. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, just given everything the team is going through and and kind of the, the struggle that they find themselves in, I I, I don't like having young prospects in that environment. Uh, send them out to Bakersfield. Um, you're you're a long way both geographically, I think, and emotionally from Edmonton in that sense. Go down there, he'll play a ton. And like you only played one game, like five forty six, you know, like barely over ten minutes a night on average. Uh, it's just that's not the right environment for him to be in. Down, you know, up in Edmonton there. So you know, go in and just play a ton in Bakersfield, and then kind of reevaluate there. You know. Yeah. A lot like Todd Nelson discusses, like, you know, sometimes you do have to hit that reset button with a young player. And, and I think that might be the case with Broberg. Yeah. I guess the worry, and like this happens a lot where you see, like, because Broberg played like 46 games last year. Yeah. And I think the problem, or rather the worry that you have at this juncture, is sending them down to the A at this point can be kind of tough because we've seen him dominate the AHL. Yeah. Like, he, he's been a, a, like in. Two years ago, he was fantastic. Yeah. Now, there's obviously that jump. It doesn't mean just because you're fantastic the A doesn't mean you're going to be that way in the big leagues. But this is a very pivotal time, right? Because the, the last thing you want is for him to tread downward, have a bad year from a, an asset management standpoint or anything. Just you want to get some sort of return or dividends on the pick, whether it's a trade or 
even him being irregular. So that's probably the biggest thing I want to look out for. You know, can he handle it as a reset or, or is it just going to really veer him off course? Well, and, and you know, not just specific to him, but, but to any player, it's all on how you, how you manage, um, you know, I guess what you would call a quote unquote demotion, you know, do you view it as a demotion or do you view it as an opportunity? And I think the players that, that succeed are the ones that view going down to the AHL as an opportunity. Sure, we, we know that, it, yeah, if he wants to just come down here and put up points, we know he can do that. He's already shown, and he'll, he'll be dominant, and he'll, he'll, he'll have tons of success that way. But I want to see him come down there and just, you know, play, you know, complete all-around game, right? And, like, I wanted to – as I'd like to see him put in maybe situations that he's not comfortable with, you know, and, and see how does he handle that. So, um, you know, that's, I think, where you see a lot of growth with young players is when, you know, they're not in kind of their comfort zone. They, they can come in and be forced to adapt to those situations. And I think for him, that, that that's this is a great opportunity. I think that's how the players that ultimately make it and stick up in the NHL are the ones that, that, that take that mentality, take that mindset and, and, and go down the AHL with a purpose and not just go uh, down thinking, well, okay, well, it's all over here. I got sent down. Like, no, that's, that's, that's the worst thing you can do. And that's a trap. A lot of players, it's very easy to fall into. Not saying that's going to happen or, or has happened with Bogart, but just with anyone, it's a good warning uh, or kind of a good uh, thing to keep in the back of your mind that this is how you have to approach it. That uh, this is you're, you want to have a 10, 15 year career. This this is just a blip in the grand scheme of things. Go down there, make the best of it. Matt Coronado is an interesting case too because I think we talked about this last episode, but I just think that teams are whatever situation just tend to rush prospects like they, they a, a good preseason or whatever they will just rush them and i applaud the teams that will take a good preseason and say okay that's true but let's say you do in the ahl and then if if you're dominating as you should be or whatever then we'll bring you up calgary to the inverse coronado mm-hmm. two points in 10 games now he's back down to the wranglers i just it's one, another one of those things where i think that like this is this is just a blip it's not like a major thing don't like sound the alarm bells, but I just think it's another preventable measure. Like just start him in the A, build him up, like prospect development that way. What is the worst thing that can happen? If he has a good weekend, the first weekend, call him up. I just, yeah. I don't get this preseason. Like how much do you really glean from preseason when assessing these guys can make the NHL? Not a whole lot. So that's my yeah. argument with it. So I think they probably were better, would have been better suited to keep him down in the AHL. Yeah. Preseason is what a few actual full practices, a lot of haphazard, the haphazard schedule of games where you know you're playing with different line mates every night. You know, like Rossi last lineups, year. Right? Rossi led the 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 league in preseason scoring, and then he had like one point in 19 games. It's just yeah. so like, I great you produced there, but like let's see you dominate the American League just for a weekend even before you make it. That's hype, my opinion. That hype machine starts, and I think it, it, you know, team I think teams it, not saying just specifically this situation, but you know, there's that pressure. Okay, well he's a He's a top prospect, and he just had a good camp, quote unquote. We gotta keep him now, like because if we send him down, that's sending the wrong message. And, of course, and I get that too, because yeah. you're managing people. I do get yeah. it. You want to reward them for good performance, but I don't I'm know. Not, I'm with you, right? Like you know, keep it. This happens time and time. It's a lot again. easier to to call a player up than to send a player down, right? Like just from a you know for uh, sure headspace uh, aspect, and you know. So, hey, if you had sent him down there at the start of the year, he would, let's say he goes and just tears it up. Well, okay, great. Bring him up. But uh, it's a little bit trickier now. You start him off, you, you know, and he's, it's such a bad situation. 
uh, to start the year with, with the Flames, just everything they're going through. And you have a young player in the middle of that. I don't like that just a lot like, you know, with Edmonton, having a young player in the middle of all that. Um, so I guess, yeah, this is an opportunity. Again, hit the proverbial reset button. Let them go down, play in Calgary with the Rangers. Uh, it's obviously an easy lifestyle move, you know, and that's the, the advantage of having your affiliate in the same city. And then we'll reevaluate, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, see where see where he is. And, hey, if you need to bring him up, it's a phone call away. Not even a phone call away, a tap on the shoulder. Kent Johnson is going through a sophomore slump, and this is something we've seen from top five pick or top 10 picks or whatever for years. Cockney Emmy, for example, had a solid first year, second year, things get different. And people always wonder, what is that really, like what goes into that? And I think with Johnson's case, right? You know, last year he's playing in a situation where the Blue Jackets were not a very good team. They were allowed him to play freely, not saying they shouldn't have, but they, he was allowed to play pretty freely. And then there's a coaching change. Pascal Vincent comes in. He's really trying to change the culture there. And the things that Johnson can get away with last year, he can't this year. He's going way too east-west, and they brought him down to Cleveland for a reset. And let, listen, Kent Johnson has the potential to be a point-per-game player in the NHL. I think he probably will. He's so skilled, so fantastic. But this this kind of thing does happen a lot, and I think it's it it's called a sophomore slump for a reason. You know, your rookie year, things are pretty easy in the sense of, like, you're high up on energy. The team's excited to have you. They put you in good situations. Then your second year, like, you know, you're you're a regular. Right, mm-hmm. the, the training wheels are kind of off there, and things are are looked at with more of a, of a you know microscope. And yeah. for Columbus, they have so many young, talented players; they can't take any passengers because they have other guys waiting that are deserving of it. So that's my read on the Johnson situation. I'm right there with you, and you know you have a player that was a healthy scratch in Columbus. Uh, you had that benching, you had that turnover um, last week. Um, yeah, I think this is a this is an opportunity again. Opportunity versus demotion. It's all how you frame it. That's really the case with anything in life. And this is a chance to go to Cleveland, get away from it, uh, get around a new group of teammates, uh, uh, new coaching staff, uh, just being in a different environment altogether. I think uh, this will be good for him, right? Like he's he's twenty one. It's he's a yeah. you know he's a, a tadpole in the ter- in the sense of uh, you know like. The, the, the hockey world and um this is a chance to just uh again like Brobert, like coronado like anybody uh top pick that goes down he'll play a ton he'll get different experiences different opportunities different situations uh i love this move honestly and you know like in some ways the hl's really sometimes you just need a reset with anything in life you know whether you're 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 professional hockey player or you're working in an office or, or whatever the case may be this is a chance to just go in there and, and just just get away from it and i think that's that's really one of the best aspects of the ahl that that, that that teams can utilize absolutely let's get to our team of the week new jersey devils you know obviously a lot of people are, are looking at the devils now with you know hughes out he out um and they're kind of going through it a bit there but the prospect pool which is obviously more slim than than years past in some senses, just by virtue of a lot of their young guys being up there. Holtz, Luke Hughes, a lot of guys. But Simon Nemich, second overall pick from a couple of years ago, is in the HL. And I think it's fair to say if he was on a lot, I'd say maybe 10 organizations at least, he'd be an NHL regular right now. I would agree. I mean, I loved I loved everything about his season last year. I thought the Devils managed it perfect, right? Like they let him be a regular in Utica, but then they also just gave him that opportunity Go play a world junior. Um, uh, go, go be the guy there, right? 
and you know go play around players your own age too right so uh i thought he was everything that that you know as an 18 year old they managed it perfectly and i think he managed it himself perfectly um just coming in there and, and soaking it all up uh playing for kevin denine there in utica a guy that played the almost 20 years in the nhl i was a captain at the nhl level you know so you're getting a ton you're getting a an incredible education at such a young age, uh, getting a great foundation in place. Uh, this year he starts, he was injured uh, opening weekend. Um, this is a little bit of time. He's come back, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Uh, this is the year now I look for him to just come in and absolutely be a dominant player. You know, I want to see him be one of the top defensemen in the AHL and, and really show that, you know, okay, he's, he's ready for the NHL on a full-time basis. Graham Clark, another guy. We talked yeah. about it before the season. I, I said it was a big training camp for him. Uh, not to say I told you so, because you weren't arguing against me, but I kind of yeah. said before that I didn't see him making that jump. Didn't happen again. You know, he's 22 years old. I, for me, I, with Graham Clark, I see a guy that isn't good enough to be in the top six of an NHL team, at least right now, and doesn't bring much to your bottom six. That's where I think Graham Clark is right now. Well, uh Right I, I, I see what you're saying, but you know I've also been humbled enough <laughs> over the no, years. But I'm saying where he is right now. Would you disagree? That's not where he is right now. I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I've I've been humbled though, right? And and knowing that I, I I thought I had a player paid for one thing, and then it's like, whoa, I didn't see that at all. Um, you know, so so players can evolve. They can uh, kind of reinvent themselves. You know, and. and I ultimately, I was, I think, in an ideal world for him with New Jersey, he'd be a th nice high-end third-line player, right? Like a you know, guy that can do a little bit of everything. He had a great breakout year last year, twenty-five goals in Utica. Um, really took a nice step forward, um, you know. But now this is, and this is again, this is a player that came in with that pandemic year. It was a goofy kind of year. Um, but I want to come in and see him be the guy, like not just be, not be, uh, not be a pedestrian, a, a supporting cast. Like I want to see him kind of be what, you know, if this was a television show, one of the top two players in the credits, um, you know, a player that, you know, that, that every single night, you know, is, is the type of player you, you're looking, you know, the, the, the puck is on a stick. You're looking for him to take that jump. I want to see him get a couple of NHL games as well. I think that's, that's huge for a young player just to see, you know, for their own kind of validation that they're on the right path. And um, I think make yourself, put yourself in a position where you're that first or second option as a call-up. Um, that's, uh, you know, anytime the big team runs into a, to a need that they immediately think of your, your name uh, as, as an option. And then one last one, Chase Stillman. His first year pro um, this year, five points his first eight games. What have you seen from him so far? And what can we expect from him as he turns the corner? Well, I like I like that for a player. I like and I know people will kind of downplay points and, and I get that. And I understand that the AHL is a lot about is sort of the not not so maybe glamorous parts of the game, like you know, the two two-way play, the two hundred foot game, and all those cliches that uh, we all throw around. But I, I like a young player getting um, some early uh, scoring success. I think it's good for their confidence. Uh, this is obviously a you know smart player. Corey Stillman's his father, um, guy that played in the NHL for years and years and years. And he was certainly a, a you know real heady player in his own right. Uh, so you, so you know he's coming from from a, a good hockey background that way. 
Um, he was in, you know, Peterborough, uh, you know, and just, you know, first round pick. So, you know, on paper, he checks uh, he, all those boxes, but, um, you know, I think for him, like, this is maybe going to be a little bit, uh, you know, he's a great motor, right? That's the first thing anyone you talk to will talk about. And, and um, you know, for a lot of young players, that's, you know, it's, it's harnessing that and, 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 Kind of channeling that in the right direction. I think, you know, again, he's going to be learning from Kevin Danina forward for, like I said, almost 20 years in the NHL. He's he's going to have a great education there. I think he's on the right track. I want to see him be in Utica, though, for, for a good year, maybe two years, and then we'll cycle or circle back and kind of see where he's at. Absolutely. Um, I, I got to ask for the Chicago Wolves. It's uh, mm. definitely not an ideal start. Uh, for a team that's going uh, with the whole we want to win mantra and not development, and then they are not winning. Uh, it's it's been a tough it's been a tough go for the Chicago Wolves. I, I don't think Wendell Dunn's young done making moves. Uh, no. I, I think we're gonna see some. I mean, I, I frankly think within the next two weeks we'll see someone brought in, whatever that may be, in some way, um, if not sooner. What's going on in Chicago? Why are they struggling so much? Because uh, the- it's almost like <laughs> they put a disadvantage of it because they don't have the prospects, which is you know that's what we talk about the situation so much. But point being is they had to come to all later. Like they're kind of they're kind of building after the rest of people are, and maybe that's what's leading to them being able to sink. Like it's it's almost like things are going in the inverse order for them. With the glory. yeah, I mean for one thing, you're literally you you have uh, they're almost like a, a true expansion team would be in the NHL. Like they just brought. 25 players in from all corners of the world uh, yep. and have kind of smushed them all together and are, you know, you, you had your AHL training camp, which is kind of just a, it's a blip. And, you know, like, you know, a lot, a lot of those players didn't go to NHL training camps. Uh, so, so they came in. So you're, you're just, you're, you have so many moving parts right now. Like, and, and partially it's some of your, your, your top veteran guys that you really were counting on to, to produce and generate, you know, just some early production haven't done so. Uh, your goaltending are knots. Uh, it's not gonna win. Uh, I mean, not gonna win your games. Like yeah. Keith Kincaid's coming in and struggled, and you know he's certainly a guy that's proven at this level. So you have every reason to think he's gonna get get it uh, back on track. But uh, I agree with you, Wendell Young. I mean, this is a guy that you know when they won the Calder Cup in uh, 2022. Um, you know, he made three NA, or three deadline deals. Um, you know, at the, at the AHL deadline. Like panic was uh, on the right, Richard Panic. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like and that you just don't see teams generally operate that way at this in this league. But you know, he's a guy. He's a wheeler and dealer, um, like kind of a real old school GM in that sense. Um, so I, I have there's not a doubt in my mind that, that he's he's uh, if this goes on for much longer, um, that the message in the room is already very clear that uh, you know if uh, it doesn't pick up there will be moves because uh, yeah, for sure. this is not what they sign up for. Like if you're, you, you, you can win or you can develop. Um, but if you're doing neither, uh, then what are we doing? What are we doing here? And that, no, that's just sure. not going to stand in Chicago. So they have a, they have a huge weekend here uh, coming up. They really have to, to, to get it back on track. It's not going to be an easy one. They have Rock, Rockford, Iowa, two rivals coming in. Um, but uh, yeah, that, 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 uh, that trip up to Tucson was not good uh, by any stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Like I almost, I feel like without, like, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I would imagine that right now they're kind of looking at it like, okay, after a summer of looking at which outsiders per se, which players that were 
you know, looking for an AHL deal that they could bring in the Chris Terry's, the Rocco Romaldi's, all those kind of guys. Where can they get loans from? Like, which teams have an overcrowded defense core, forward core? Like, that's probably, I'd assume, where they're at now. And, and those things aren't, you know, open and shut. And those conversations are happening throughout time. But I'm sure they're making it known that, hey, and I'm sure people know, like, they're available to take those guys. And, um, but I think trades is probably the route they're going to target. Yeah, we just, I mean, there's so much here that we don't know. Like, we don't have a precedent for this in today's HL. Like, you don't have to go back to 1994, the last time there was a truly independent team. That was, a I wasn't alive. Truly, Pat. Well, there you go. Uh, so, what do you want? It, it, what do you want? Totally different era. Well, <laughs> I was, uh, but uh, even I was young at that point. Uh, and when you think about it, like, you, there's not a playbook here. Like, there's not a like, okay, well, you know, in this situation, you know, we've done this or we've done that, right? Like, you know, so this is a lot of kind of like feeling your way through the dark here. Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting. Like, but I, I would say, that, you know, if you're a player in that room, like, you're already on a team that's not affiliated, right? So, like, this, you're already in, I want to say, somewhat of a precarious place career wise. Like, you, you really have to pick it up. Like, you have to, and get your play up to, to the standard uh, that they're expecting from you. Because, you know, if, if you're not going to – like, this is a kind of a show-me season for every player in that on that team. Every that, That's the case everywhere, but but even more so when you're not affiliated. And I think, you know, there are a lot of players there that that's, uh, are not playing up to their potential. And, um, you know, if they, if they don't, I absolutely am certain there will be changes and, and sooner rather than later. Like before this episode goes there, uh, at, at this right, honestly. watch, watch, yeah, yeah. it probably will happen. Um, let's get to our prospect of the week, Jesper Wallstadt, our prospect of the week, but also the AHL player of the week after a very strong week in Minnesota. It's interesting timing because with Phil Gustafson struggling mm-hmm. in Minnesota, you need any kind of good news, though. I would caution Wild fans, don't expect to see Wallstadt in the NHL anytime soon, yeah. I mean. No, I think that that's the thing you got to be careful about too, right? Like totally looking for that quick fix that can be a that can be a tricky a tricky slope for a team and and for a goalie. Now, I think with Wallstead, you know, knowing his mentality, how he is, he's very self aware, very um, very committed to the development uh, model, which you don't usually see from players, right? Like every player believes that they should be in the NHL. Yesterday. Um, last year he was, you know, in, especially coming in as a first rounder, you know, 20th overall, like he was very, very much bought into like, I need to be in Iowa. Uh, this is the right place for me to be. Uh, I have to get things squared away on the ice. I have to learn all the parts that go into being a top pro, pro goalie. I have to learn how to handle life off the ice, you know, at, at such a young age. Uh, so like, he's, he's got an excellent head on his shoulders. Um, he's I certainly a future number one. I see him being in Minnesota. Uh, but you know, yeah, when that when the big team is, you know, Phil, you know, Philip Gustafson is is trying to find his way. Uh, I, I think, yeah, you have to be careful there. You know, looking for maybe what might be a quick fix. Absolutely, and I think that it's interesting because you're seeing it now with like Lucas Dostal, right? Where he's 23. Uh, still young by goalie standards, but he's come in. He's having a great start with the Ducks. And Dustin Wolf, friend of the show slash part of the show, we talk about him so much. He should be in the NHL right now. I think everyone is convinced of that. So you look at Wallstat, and the knee-jerk reaction is to say, like, okay, he's far away, which he is. But I think that what I would say is I don't think he's, you know, three years away from being no, no. in the NHL. I, I want to make that clear. Like, I think this is a, like this is one of the best goalie prospects in the world. And I think that it wouldn't be all the realm of possibility to see him get a couple games this year. 
depending oh, on who yeah. you go. Like, like that, that could happen. But I would just caution that I, I wouldn't expect a call up based off just how well he's doing and the struggles up top per se. Like they're not yeah. going to, you know, Bill Guerin likes to do his trades. He, he, when he's set on something, he just does it, but he's not going to rush wall staff. I think you see the teams that the ones that manage their process best is they give them a taste of things, right? Like just yeah. enough to whet the appetite uh, type of thing. And, you know, like, you know, keep that player feeling kind of connected to the NHL team. Feel like they, they're still very much in the plans. Obviously wall is in their place, but you know, with other players as well, um, but yeah, not get them on that, uh, that back and forth constantly. Right. Where like well, we're really operating down with a goalie too. Like I want him to be the number one guy there in, in Iowa. He's, he's, he's got a good setup there. Uh, Richard Bachman is the coach, the goalie coach here. Uh, he's got, uh, uh, Zay McIntyre is a real, real dependable, uh, partner, great, great personality as well. So, um, I think this is an ideal uh, environment for, for Wall Street to be in. I want to, again, I, I like with Nemich, I want to see him just be absolutely dominant this year. Like, yeah. Like, go I, from being like, okay, well, he, he was really impressive as a rookie. I right. want to see him like now, like where he's, you know, competing for, you know, I want to yeah. see up there competing with the Dustin Wolf for top goal. Exactly. Like, Wall has been good, but he has not been excellent yet. We're yeah. seeing that this year at short sample size. And hey, he's getting a workout. I was getting yeah. pelted with shots every yes. night. Like, he's. Yes. Wallstead is just in a simulation of shooting. Like a shooter tutor, this guy. He's he's getting log of cardio recently. Um, all right, before we sign off, let's empty your notebook, Pat. Pull out your pen and paper, wherever you keep it, all those ancient notes, and give us around the A. <laughs> give us around the A. Uh, so yeah, so uh, to my ancient notes, I had to start off. How about the Rockford Ice Hogs? Uh, Drew uh, Comesso, as a, as a young goalie prospect, I just spoke with him uh, yesterday. Yeah, fantastic head on his shoulders. Like right off the bat, I love that for a goalie. Um, I think a goalie is such a mental game as much as anything. For sure. um, you know, just the, the 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 logic that you know that that is part of that 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 position, right? Like he's a very very deliberate, very thoughtful uh, young goalie mind. Um, he's been fantastic. Uh, he actually trained with Jeremy Swayman uh, and Jake Ottinger over the summer. Um, you know, so young college American goalie uh, coming in. Um, you put on actually. It, it's funny you don't hear that with goalies. Like I put on muscle uh, over the summer, but he put on. I was like part of his uh, his uh, workout uh, program. Uh, wanted him to get stronger in that, and I think it's really shown for him as uh, the agility and the flexibility, uh, and, the, and just the, the ability to handle the workload at this level has been. Uh, he's shown that he's uh, he's doing it well. Pretty. Uh, you know, so far, Coachella Valley defending cup champs, or I should say uh, runner-ups, um, uh, finally finding their way. They had a little bit of a slow start. I thought they also had just a slow schedule period. Uh, 4-0 streak. Uh, Shane Wright's uh, been very good at early going. That's very encouraging to see coming off, you know, kind of a up-and-down season in some ways, but then had that, you know, that that playoff run. Um, I, let, I love where he's at uh, right now in his career. Last thing, Hockey Fights Cancer Month. Uh, Todd Nelson, our guest earlier, mentioned it. Uh, Hershey, uh, I have a piece, and you know, I, I don't, I don't ask people to read my stuff. <laughs> I, I avoid that temptation. But I have a piece on the HL.com today. Julia Mazur, um, she's a Wilkesbury Scranton uh, intern, uh, joined their ice crew at 14 years old. Has worked her way up. She's going through a really tough fight right now. Uh, just an amazing hockey fan, amazing friend of the game. 
Um, please check her story out. Uh, it's uh, I, I said it earlier. I think it's the most important story I've ever written. For sure. All right, Pat. Thank you. Good stuff there. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week with all the latest news and notes on the HL. Take care.